Welcome to the S'mores Indoors Podcast, the perfect combination of talk and interviews between my favorite podcast hosts. Now please, sit back, relax, and welcome your host, Corey. Welcome to episode five of the S'mores Indoors podcast. I am Corey here, joined again with Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan, we have an, I guess you could say an extra creepy episode this week. We absolutely do. We have the creepy Kentuckian, if you will, <laughs> from deadpit.com, one of one of uh, the originators of horror podcasting or horror talk radio, the ballers and shot callers of horror talk radio, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a little quick little tidbit on how I um, was introduced to Dead Pit. It was late to the game. It was about 2014. I, I was uh, kind of between jobs, so I caught him at the tail end. Of course, I've gone back in the catalog and listened to things, but um, I actually stumbled upon Piz, a video of Piz's on YouTube for some reason, and he's how I kind of got linked to Dead Pit and uh, some of the other uh, horror YouTubers and uh you know, it's it's never been the same since. So, <laughs> but it's been a fun six years now. I've been listening, and uh, actually, it's it's really cool because you can make friendships with these guys, and I've done stuff with them, and obviously this ep- this episode of our show too. So, and Piz is how I met you, and uh, you know, just good things yeah. things from it. So it's wild. Like that's a really it's a cool community too, man. Like the people who are actually kind of linked through there, and you know, yeah. just real quick. I mean, I've been listening to Dead Pit since uh 06 07 uh, back when they were at their their height i mean they still do great content now but i mean it was it was huge they were pretty much the only game in town at that point so it's an honor to have them on you know uh, uh you know where uh i think it inspired me to do stuff like this so yeah i think uh they're a big inspiration for a lot of people so uh it's gonna be cool to talk to him about backwoods horror and uh yes. got some good uh Good insight, I'm sure, to discuss about that. So, uh, what's been going on with you since our last episode? Well, not a whole lot, man. It's been working and buying movies. Like, I've, I don't know if me and you are a bad influence on each other. I don't know if your movie buying has picked up since like we started hanging out and pretty and talking a lot. But it's like if you find a deal or if I find a deal, we share it and then we both are on top of that. So it's just like. I've got like packages coming in just from everywhere, and I can't keep up. And then you know we talked. You did the video on it on the on the YouTube channel, S'mores and Doors YouTube channel, and uh, those Shout Factory and Scream Factory titles are killing me, man. I've I've been back a couple times and picked some stuff up. Man, and we're talking about Walmart uh, has gotten in a lot of those titles. It's they're just too cheap to pass up. I I don't I don't know what it is. I I I know I'm a sucker for a deal. That's part of my problem. So uh, when, you know, a normal title that's 30 or plus dollars is 12, uh, it's hard to pass that up. So with the slipcovers, I mean, you could actually make a little money for yourself if you if you wanted to pick up a couple of them. If you're not interested in them, you could make a little bit of cash for yourself by just reselling them on eBay. Because there's anything I've learned about this hobby. There's I'm sorry if you're one of these people, but there are people who will stupidly pay way over market value for a slipcover. Yes, yes, that's that's for sure. And 
I mean, if you've got the money and you want it bad enough, you know, more power to you, but uh, it's just nothing I could justify. <laughs> no, me either. I'm I'm just happy to have the movie. We should probably have Lauren on sometime talking slipcovers and, and uh, the nonsense, so that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I assume uh, that's. I assume he just has like a bonfire once a month to, to burn all his. So. Not just run in and grab them and sell them from him. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can no, send I, them to me. Yeah. I think part of the shopping thing too is this whole pandemic and the and the quarantine thing. You know, I'm I know I'm buying a lot of stuff out of boredom. Um, yeah, it kind of gives you something to look forward to, right? Like you got a package coming in or whatever. It's fun. It's funny. I I don't want to like go deep into politics, but I was watching. Uh, real time with Bill Maher the other night. And he was talking about uh, the UPS trucks need to play the ice cream truck music now, because that's the most exciting part of the day for a lot of people. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I think like that for... as soon as I get that tracking notification, like, where is it now? Yeah. <laughs> so I, since our last episode, I, I kind of had an interesting thing come up and I wanted to discuss it. It's, it's not really top, topical to movies or anything but uh i think i've said before that you know i i've worked in the newspaper business for 11 years now and uh, the first job i had it just started out as a temporary job it was at my hometown newspaper and i actually i've worked there three times over those those uh, 11 years uh and each time you know i kind of worked my way up through the the business and ended up being like the editor and in, in the long run but uh I have a friend that still works at the that hometown paper, and a couple of days after our last show, she sent me a text, and she said that they were going to print their last issue uh, the following week. So this is a newspaper that was open for 167 years, and um, I know it's a sign of the times. It's not the first paper that's closed. It's not going to be the last paper that closes, but I just hope people kind of uh, embrace those little small-town newspapers because, you know, if you have kids in Little League and things like that, that's going to be the ultimate place to see pictures and, and articles about your kids and things like that. So it's my my little message is to uh, support your, your local newspaper in times like this especially. So I actually meant to text you about that. I read about that last, last week, I think, is when it was. Yeah, so... Kind of a sad thing. I, I actually got uh, some stuff in my little office here I snagged from the building and uh, kind of mementos and actually a big cabinet behind me that uh, I'm going to use for storage. It was it was in the building since I started, so I uh, was able to go in and grab that. So, And actually, we have these used to have these big bound books that have like all the issues in it, all the past issues, and uh, I got the book from my first article I ever wrote. So, Oh, that's cool. That was cool to grab, so... Anyway, my little little message. It was it was a bittersweet couple of weeks there, and uh, kind of depressing. So, but uh, on to more depressing news. <laughs> we lost Joel Schumacher, the director. Um, I, I guess it was last week, was it? Yeah. Uh, eight, I think, eighty-one years old, and um, he's one of those guys that you know he's not mentioned in the Scorsese's the the uh, Coppola's, the big-name directors, but I think he directed a lot of movies that people love and uh, is kind of underappreciated as a director. Um, you have some uh, favorite favorite Schumacher movies? I mean, like my, probably my favorite Schumacher movie, and it's getting 
brought up all the time since he passed away. And unfortunately, I feel like this this movie kind of faded into obscurity after its uh, initial release was falling down. That is a great movie. And I've seen so many memes lately about how, you know, you can kind of relate with the main character in that movie on a bad day, you know? But um, I I just feel like his name wasn't really brought up a whole lot in, like you said, he's not a Scorsese or anything, but that was an excellent movie. And he made so many entertaining movies. And I honestly think the backlash he gets for his two Batman movies is kind of undeserved. I mean, I think that was more of a studio call there, and he was a very journeyman director, and he was going to make the studio happy. So, uh, I, I actually kind of like those movies, so I, I'm not going to shit on them. Yeah, from what I understand, too, he was kind of a favorite director for actors, too. You know, tried to have a lot of fun on the set and things like that. But I was looking through his filmography, and of course, he talked about falling down. I'm a huge eight millimeter fan, and I even like, uh, definitely like Batman Forever. Um, but I was looking at his filmography, and man, that is one diverse list of films. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely, he did that. He did that to, I mean, he did the Lost Boys. He did. Um, he directed that. Uh, I think it was two thousand four um, screen edition of Phantom of the Opera, the musical. The Gerard uh, Butler which, one. Did he do that one? Uh, the the musical version one. I, I'm not oh, sure okay. for for sure who's in that, but. Uh, just just kind of all over the place all over the genres very much probably the most successful like journeyman hired gun director in hollywood history i mean he could he could pretty much squeeze you a decent film out of anything that you handed him so that that definitely needs to be brought up more yeah i i think hopefully people have a little more um um pay him a little more homage you know in his passing here and uh kind of celebrate his work because um a lot of good movies there on that list so Absolutely. Uh, rest in peace joel schumacher for sure uh we got a new release coming out by arrow pretty soon i think it's coming out in september and it's one near and dear to your heart as a kevin smith fan so yes. uh inform the folks about that well this kind of came out of left field man uh Arrow just did their lineup for September releases uh, this past Friday, I believe it was. And uh, surprise uh, 25th anniversary edition of Mallrats was announced. So that's cool because I don't think there's been a Kevin Smith movie with a boutique release yet. So there's going to be an uh, all-new transfer, and it is just loaded down with special features. Just to kind of name a couple off here, you're getting the theatrical and the extended cut of the film. And uh, the TV cut is actually going to be uh, included in this and the TV cuts a big deal because it's one of those movies that had hilarious overdubbing to take care of the profanity. So it's a, it's a whole new watch in and of itself. Uh, new interviews with Kevin Smith, uh, introductions, uh, all new, uh, all new surround soundtracks. Um, let's see here. I'm making of featurette interviews with Jason Muse, uh, cinematographer, Dave Klein, uh, Hollywood of uh, the North, a newly produced animated making of documentary. Uh, all the deleted scenes, which a lot of those are included in the extended cut. I don't know if you've seen that, Corey, but he actually toured that uh, not too long before it released on Blu-ray. So I got to see it kind of before the general oh. public got to see it. And it's 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 a pretty good cut of the film. But yeah, I mean, it is jam-packed. And like I said, this is all new 2K transfer. So um, don't pre-order it on Amazon because Amazon has it for thirty nine ninety nine, 
right now, and Diabolic is selling it for twenty four ninety nine. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely uh, get up on that. I didn't realize Dave Klein shot that movie. Uh, I figured Universal would have had their own person work on that, but uh, that's cool. Uh, I know they tried to get rid of uh, Jason Muse. <laughs> Try to bring in Seth Green. Yeah, so. that would have been a disaster. <laughs> what would have been, you know? Like, so uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of a surprising release for Marrow. Uh, I was shocked to see that, but I'm not a huge fan of that cover art. Do, do you like that? or I'd much rather just have the original cover art. Like I actually had the one-sheet poster back here behind me, and I've always thought like the comic book kind of you know hand-drawn thing looked really good. But, I mean, that's eh, whatever. I'm sure they'll have the original underneath it. Uh, yeah. and it's I almost think... a generic-looking Sgt. Pepper lineup. Right, it is. <laughs> And it actually comes with a, an art book and like Silent Bob's plans, like his blueprints oh, that, he, yeah, that. that he draws out. So it, that'll be a good release. Um, I was going to say, I think the only reason Mallrats is getting that treatment is because Universal is just extremely agreeable to licensing out titles. From what I understand, like they'll just, they'll pretty much license something to anybody. So, yeah. Well, I'm happy to see it happening. So, uh, oh, me too. That's something I actually, I think for a future episode, I'd, I kind of like to do a ranking of our ranking of Kevin Smith movies. I think that would be a fun. Oh yeah, that'd uh, be fun. So uh, I was thinking about that when I saw that release, and uh, definitely have to do that in the future. Oh, yeah. um, another release I saw that I I was kind of interested in. I just saw this today, so I wanted to throw it on and talk about it. Uh, there's going to be a 60th anniversary 4K edition of Psycho. Uh, released. I'm not sure the release date on that, but uh, I like that movie. I know it's not for everybody. Not everybody gets into the older black and white stuff, but uh, that's one I'll probably check out, especially if I can get it for you know 20 bucks or less. So I probably won't upgrade that one. I mean, I appreciate Psycho for what it is. You know, yeah. uh, it's probably not one I need to upgrade though. I have a Blu-ray copy of it. I'll probably be fine. And the Blu-ray looks fantastic, by the way. And that's it not does. to say. That's not to say that black and white films do not look fantastic on the 4K format, because they do, but just not one I would need to upgrade personally. Yeah, that's one I might, uh, you know, dive a little deeper on, see what the additional features will be on it, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Like like you said, that was my main thought, is, is black and white looks, you know, really superb on 4K, but uh, I don't know, we'll see. Um I have to bring this up. <laughs> I think we both checked it out the other night, um, and I made a post on Instagram about it. Uh, Severin oh. had their Ooh. big uh, mid-year sale going on. I tried to. It, it was it was a disaster. <laughs> uh, they their website got shut down twice. You know, if one thing you can say about uh, vinegar syndrome is they had mad demand for that rad 4k and i never had an issue with their site i didn't either. Uh, but severin got shut down twice and was then taking orders through email which there's no way i would no i'm for not one, either site that kept getting attacked apparently that's what they were saying but uh, there's no way that site was attacked twice they did not have the server capacity for that and i i'm gonna i don't know i'm not a big fan of severin I mean, I'm sure they do good work or whatever, but they don't release any. They're like the great value brand of Vinegar Syndrome. So whatever I think about Vinegar Syndrome, it's just, you know, even worse there. But 
I feel p- bad for the people who wanted some of the extremely limited stuff that was coming out. Like I know they had yeah. stuff that was limited to 600. So now if you're going in to place an order through email, you have no fucking clue what you're going to get. Are you going to get no. what you were looking for? Or are you not going to get what you were looking for? I don't know, man. I, they had a post that they said uh, when they started the email orders that they had 500 emails in 20 minutes. So how are they even... You think you think it took a long time to get your vinegar syndrome order? <laughs> They've got to yeah, go no through. <laughs> what made it worse is we were talking like when that sale went live. I think both times, and what was worse was the partially broken site that was up for a few hours because you yeah. couldn't navigate it. You could get it was just enough to aggravate you if you were trying to order something. Yeah, I, you know I. We were we were talking about the hundred dollars we spent with vinegar syndrome. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. It just uh, that would frustrate frustrate me from buying anything from them, even if there was stuff that I wanted. So they're big enough to know better too, which is yeah. why I'm not gonna. I I don't know. I would let it slide on some other smaller labels, but they've been around long enough and they're big enough that they knew what they were they were dealing with and they didn't prepare for it. I also think like some of the messages that they left like on Facebook and on like their actual website was extremely unprofessional. Yeah, when you're when one of your official kind of press releases through social media says, "Well, the site's fucked." Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked. And it's like, "Well, that's not like I feel like they gave up for one thing, right? Like yeah. they just let a lot of people down." And like I said, they're they're way too big for that kind of crap to be happening. Yeah, and you just saw two weeks ago the demand, or however long it was, I guess a month ago, the vinegar syndrome sale. You saw the demand they had. You should have known you better have your stuff in order. It was obviously a cash grab to piggyback off of that sale, so you should have had, I don't know. I don't know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I don't run a boutique label, so I guess I really don't have an authority on it, but I would say they're, they're large enough that they should know better. Yes, for sure. So, um... We'll see how how many people get what they ordered. I'm sure there'll be videos and stuff coming up on YouTube of, of that stuff. So, Oh, my God, that's right. Didn't you send me a screenshot of somebody who apparently just ordered the entire catalog? It looked like it. Like everything that was still in print, they ordered. And, again, if if you're such a fan of these companies, why have you not bought stuff from them before? <laughs> so, right. I don't know. But, anyway. Speaking of websites, we have one now. Boom! Uh, s'moresatdoorspodcast.com I've just been working on that a couple of days it's uh, it's kind of a work in progress but uh, we're getting stuff added to it and we'll definitely be adding more as the days goes on and uh, I know you've checked it out and got the seal of approval so it is I think it's going to be a lot easier for everybody out there to listen, that's listening to us to kind of have one cohesive place to find everything Yes, you can go to that uh, homepage, s'moresandoorspodcast.com, and then there is a, a a link at the top in the menu for podcast, and you can get all the episodes here, and once you click on an episode, it gives you a link to subscribe on any platform you want as well. So um, make sure you check that out. Hopefully it's easier for you to find us, and, uh, and uh, you know, we'll keep adding from there. And along with that, we have... Uh, have some content coming up for uh obviously we do this show every two weeks but we got a uh got uh, some youtube content we're going to be working on next weekend uh, we have a big trip planned and i'll let jonathan tell you the details about what we're going to do 
Yo, we're going to St. Louis for the sole purpose of finding movies. There, we ain't got enough of them. Like, that's, like we haven't bought enough in the last month. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the thing. I can't get my hands on enough of them. Netflix is going to call me asking, hey, man, you got this title? That's what I'm going for. But no, man, it's really about just, I mean, you know, we, hopefully we find some stuff. But it's really about just hanging out, making some cool content, and uh, being a little bit bigger part of our community here. So, yeah, Netflix is going to call you and ask you if you have any of those transfers of the uh, vinegar syndrome porn that they can. Yeah, they want to they want to know if I still have my copy of Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. So <laughs> and that's a, that's on the Internet, folks. That's not a profanity. That's a that's an actual movie name that we're pretending that people want to see. So, <laughs> well, I guess someone does, but uh, yep. I think we'll pass on that one. I won't be bringing that home from St. Louis. Let's just say no. that. No. <laughs> But I've got that's all the news I have and uh, all the kind of details I have. Did you have anything you wanted to add this week? No, man. It's kind of a short news week, honestly. But yeah, we're uh, like I said, we've got the trip next weekend. We'll have some YouTube content, I'm sure, the following week, a little before, hopefully, uh, the next episode drops. But uh, and then the next episode, we'll we'll kind of detail the trip for you and uh, tell you some more news. So if, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take it right now to the interview with. Uh, the creepy Kentuckian, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. For 10 years, Dead Pit Radio led the way in horror talk in the podcast game, interviewing a who's who in the horror film industry. In 2015, the duo of the creepy Kentuckian and Uncle Bill ended their decade of dominance on the internet airwaves when life took over. With the recent pandemic we've all been faced with, the pair have reunited to give fans of the show a glimpse back to when horror was king. The S'mores and Doors podcast is thrilled to be joined today by one half of this dynamic duo, horror's favorite thrillbilly, the creepy Kentuckian. CK, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? I'm all right. How about you guys? How you guys doing? Doing fantastic, man. I gotta say, thank you so much for doing this. I am an old school, I mean old school Dead Pit listener, man. Found you guys back in like 06, back in the infancy of Dead Pit. So this is a this is a big deal for me, man. Thanks for doing the show. Oh, no problem at all. I didn't know you were a listener that, yeah, that's like the beginning. Oh, yeah. 2006. Yeah, actually, uh, I'd seen like an advertisement for you guys were going to be at uh, Fright Night or something. And I was like, what the fuck is a deadpit.com? <laughs> and that's actually how I found out about podcasts and, and everything. Yeah, big yeah. Time. no, it was. That's crazy. That it's been that long ago, though. If you, I mean, 2006 doesn't seem like it should be 14 years ago. I know, right, man? It's crazy. All right, so we're going to uh, obviously talk a little backwoods horror today, a topic that uh, our special guest knows really well, and uh, we're going to talk about some of his favorites here shortly, and um, I guess kind of what makes what makes a good backwoods horror type movie. Uh, but uh, I got a couple of questions to start off with first. Um, first question is, you know, what what are your earliest memories of of watching movies? Probably the earliest that I can remember was around the time when uh, I was probably six, seven years old. My parents bought the first VCR that we ever had, and um, back in the day, and a lot of a lot of you guys are around my age, so you'll know, like the VCR, the early days of the VCR, um, the videotapes were almost as expensive as a VCR. Yes. <laughs> so you didn't really buy them. You, 
the way it worked is, is we had bought the VCR for like close to a thousand dollars and the place that we bought the VCR, we had one free rental per week for a year. That was the deal that they had. So every weekends it would be the free rental would be my choice. Um, and I think my mom was the first one to get me into the horror films, but some of the early, early movies just in general, I remember renting was of course the Goonies, uh, the never ending story, uh, labyrinth, uh, you know, as far as horror goes, the Friday, the 13th movies, uh, Friday, the 13th part six was the very first one that I ever watched. Uh, psycho two and three, almost back to back. Uh, stuff like that. I mean, those are probably the earliest ones that I can remember uh, at, you know, five, six, seven years old, whatever it was. Very cool. Very cool titles there. Um, I think I, I was talking with Piz about this. You know, we, we kind of take for granted now that we always have the new release Tuesdays and you can go out and it's in some format, find any movie you want. But uh, back in the mm -hmm. day, it's very difficult. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, one that me and Uncle Bill talk about all the time, too, um, the original Evil Dead. Back in the day, you could not find that thing in a video store. Um, it, it was almost like when we were kids, Evil Dead 1 didn't exist. It was just Evil Dead 2 because that was everywhere. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people nowadays don't realize how hard it was to come by uh, some of these movies back then. I remember seeing Evil Dead 2. And then, like, years later, seeing Evil Dead 1 and being extremely confused about how... Was it a sequel? Was Did they remake it? What happened there? And it's just funny you brought that up, because I, th I thought I was the only one that was never seeing Evil Dead anywhere. It was just Evil Dead 2. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the deal was, but... Um... It, I mean, as far as the movies go, it pretty much is a remake of the first one, kind of with some slapstick added in there. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it was a distribution issue or what back in the day, but the Evil Dead 1 was almost impossible to find in a video store. I don't think I've, I'm pretty sure I never did see it until Anchor Bay came out with like the VHSs back, what, 20, 25 years ago, something like that. So we'll we'll get on to the uh, topic at hand here. the the uh, The theme is backwoods horror, and this this kind of came up the other night. Jonathan and I were on with Piz, and we were kind of talking sub sub genres, and we kind of talked you know backwoods slashers versus the suburban slashers, maybe like Halloween things like that. And uh, I think that just from the the part of the area that I grew up in, you know, I was always an in-town kid, and and I think those, I guess, suburban slashers kind of resonated more with me. But was was the backwoods type of movies more pique your interest more based on where you grew up, or how how did that uh, come about for you? Um, I don't know. Like there was one in particular that you mentioned that that really freaked me out just because um, the it was like a normal looking guy. You know, looked like a truck driver or whatever. There was this movie called The Forest from the early 80s. And that was one of the, I guess, backwoods slasher. It was a weird movie. It was a backwoods slasher with uh, cannibal elements. And you had some ghosts even in the movie towards the end. Very weird movie. But I remember as a kid, that one really freaked me out just because the killer in it is just a regular looking guy. And he had like a, you know, one of those uh, 
Rambo knives that he killed with or whatever back in the survival knives. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was one in particular that I think based on this area here just looked like some local, you know, um, you know, truck driver or something like that. Oh, I was going to say, I, I do have to know because me and Corey have both recently watched this one because we both picked it up from Vinegar Syndrome. I, Madman. Now, that's kind of the movie you and Uncle Bill are known for is Madman and your love of Madman. Hell, you're on the disc. Mm-hmm. You're in the uh, the special features of that thing. What yeah. is it about Madman that resonated so much with you? Because I got to be honest, I went back and watched it. It's just not for me. So what is it that piqued your interest so much in that movie? Well, I think with Madman, it was it was a few factors. I really loved the music in it, and I've always been a big fan of, you know, cheese in horror, and there's plenty of that. Just hokey, you know, a lot of the effects in Madman's not the best, uh, but you got the hot tub scene in Madman with the song. Yes, yeah, I don't hot see tub how scene. anybody couldn't 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 enjoy that um but i i really think though legit that the soundtrack in madman is is awesome uh the theme enjoy the theme and i think that they did a good job with the uh, cinematography the atmosphere of the movie i mean it's obviously a very low budget film uh back in the day but i don't know i mean it it's definitely i wouldn't say it's a classic but of a lot of those um you know, shot on a weekend, generic slasher movies from that era. I think it stands out a little bit. It's definitely a lot better than, uh, I don't know, the uh, final terror or some sort of bullshit like that. Oh yeah. It's definitely not on like the bottom run or anything for me. And I, I got to say, I did find myself this morning on the way to the grocery kind of humming the themes. Yeah. No, it's odd that you mentioned that because I had found, um, we actually redid the Madman theme song for a, a buddy of ours uh, movie called the uh, psychopath back in the day and yeah. he kind of ripped off he was a big madman fan too i think that guy's name was uh, robert elkins and, and um he ripped off the album uh, or the the poster art for the psychopath movie so we pretty much it's the exact same song but we rewrote it and put you know the psychopath instead of madman so nice <laughs> i just heard that again this week i was like i totally forgot about doing that because <laughs> we've, we've been going through a lot of stuff on old hard drives uh, just for the new stuff that we're doing now. And I was like, I have no recollection of that now, but that is pretty funny. I want to go back, and I think that probably the earliest really classic movie in this this uh, genre for a lot of people is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you remember your earliest watching of that and how that impacted you back in the day? Um, yeah, I mean, I can remember the very first, uh, time that I, I can't remember the movie or my thoughts on the movie, but the funny thing is, is this was back in the early video store era. I think, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 had just come out on video as well. So my dad was not a big horror fan or anything. Um, but he, he decided, Hey, let's watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and then we'll watch part two. So the only thing I can recall is he never made it past the hitchhiker scene in Texas Chainsaw one. And then he just turned it off. Um, but as far as the movie though, over the years, that is probably the one movie that as much as it's, you know, people have attempted, they cannot replicate that movie. I mean, that's just a time capsule. Um, you've had thousands of people try, but 
I don't know exactly what it was, but that's just, that is the go-to movie when you think about, you know, the backwoods terror. And I, I guess it all started, like you said, it probably all started with that movie. Um, you know, so, uh, and could you guys think of one film that's been ripped off more than that movie? I, uh, I can't think no. of one that would be even close. No, it's, um, it's, it's very influential <laughs> for a lot of people. That uh, movie, it's funny you brought up Texas Chainsaw cause that's Texas Chainsaw is kind of what got me into horror was like my morbid curiosity with that movie. I was like, I'm not kidding when I say I've brought up Texas Chainsaw Massacre in therapy as an adult. Because it freaked me out so much when I was a kid. Like, it would, I was, it was probably around 2000, 2001. They were playing that thing like on a loop on IFC. And I was terrified that it was going to be on TV that night. And like, my dad would be like, just don't watch it then. And I'm like, I, you don't understand. Like, I'm just that freaked out by this movie. And then like seeing it when I became like a teenager and stuff, that's kind of what threw me into even liking horror as I, I saw it. It wasn't near as bad as I, as scary or, demented as i had made it in my head but that's definitely what kick-started me into even on this whole horror journey so a lot of people are of, of a younger age are really huge fans of that remake which i know you're not at all what in your opinion did they get wrong with that one in terms of a, a remake of the original I, i've only watched that movie maybe two times i just remember like it was just so polished. Of course, it was a Hollywood movie, but it, it, to me, it was the exact opposite of what that r- original movie represented. So the original film, I don't know if there's anyone in that movie that looked like a model, an actor, actress, anything like that. Everybody in the remake, you could see them on the cover of Abercrombie and Fitch at the time or whatever the hell it was. Um, I just think, and, and a lot of people disagree with me on this. I don't think that, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre should have been one movie. Never, ever should have had a sequel, remake, anything like that. Because at the end of the day, nothing's going to be nothing's going to live up to that original movie or even come close. I think Toby Hooper, when he did the sequel, he did it the right way. He made it a completely different movie threw in a lot more comedy and stuff like that. Um, but as far as that remake goes, man, platinum dunes, pretty much anything they touched back in the day, it was just overly polished Hollywood looking, nothing scary about it at all. And I thought the Leatherface, the look of Leatherface in that movie, it was terrible. It's probably the, the next to what, what was the, the fourth one, I guess, where he was, yeah. he was a drag queen in that one. Yeah. It was probably the worst Leatherface. Yeah. yeah. Plus Andrew Bernarski turned out to be a total douchebag too. Yeah. Well, I don't, I've, that's one of those movies that I don't know if I would ever go back and rewatch it. I just hated it that much. I think when it came out, I watched it in a theater and then maybe around early dead pit years, I watched it again. I don't know if we did a commentary on it or not. I can't remember, but, um, I remember it getting that was shit on the... quite a bit on the show. So that was like a staple that and Eli Roth. Yeah. The, those yeah. got shit on quite often. No, I, I mean, looking back though, at it, to be honest with you, I think that, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, I would watch. I would probably watch Hostel again before I would watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Wow, yeah, that's how much I hated it. <laughs> How'd you feel about it, Corey? I've never asked you that. You know, I'm like, I'm on the fence about it. I'll be honest; like, I saw that before I saw the original. Um, I did I, too. I was late to the game on the original, and um, I don't know what it was, why it was, but uh, I think the original is one that even as you watch it more and more, it grows on you more and more. So that's, uh, and then, you know, the remakes forgettable and, and pretty much any, any newer movie, like, you know, we, we look at the older movies that are out there and people take pilgrimages to the, the filming locations and things like that. You know, even a movie like hereditary now, which is, is pretty, uh, applauded, you know, as being a very good movie. Are we ever going to have like, voyages to the filming locations of hereditary so probably not but there's just something about those kind of hard well i mean i I just think um movies now everything is just i don't know if it's just where you know everything's on netflix you can stream it or whatever movies now are just like more to me it's more just throwaway like even if it's great like hereditary is a great movie i enjoyed it but like you don't I don't know. It's like it doesn't have that special feeling like it did because they make movies like crazy now, and it's not like like a like back in the day, like when John Wayne was making westerns and stuff like that. That was an event. That was something big that you you know the people went to back in the day. But anymore, of course, it it may go back to that with this COVID thing. But no. of la- recently, the last twenty years or so, they've been cranking out so many movies. And a lot of them now, because of COVID, is going to, um, you know, Netflix or Voodoo streaming and stuff like that. They're they're almost like um, valueless, if you will. I was going to say, I think the the one thing that could make movies more valuable is the whole uprise of the uh, drive-ins again. Which, I mean, we're in a time now where Jurassic Park was number one at the box office again. So, it's it's really a weird time. Well, hey, if you like drive-in theaters, you can pay $100 to see Mr. Garth Brooks live in a drive-in theater coming up here in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's... I think that's, it's this this weekend's <laughs> when it starts. Yeah, I got the I got the holiday drive-in, like, right across the river, like, just a few miles away, and they're selling tickets to it. And I'm like, are you crazy? A hundred bucks a car? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's really doing something very generous for us folks out here. Well, and I mean, it, it would be it. fine if he would if he said he was donating like proceeds to whatever, but I don't think there's anything out about that. It's like, no, it's just going straight in his pocket. Yeah. And they're making it out. Like he's doing this for everybody. Cause of quarantine and everything. Isn't it great? What Garth Brooks is doing for us <laughs> at that price. Like, I just don't get that at all. Like, I, okay. If, if he was physically there playing music at the drive-in or something, yeah, maybe, but even then, like, I don't know, a hundred bucks for a car load. That's kind of ridiculous. If he was there at the actual drive-in, it would cost you 10 grand a car load for that. So Probably. Uh. <laughs> but like he was doing, him and his wife was doing, uh, you know, the, I guess it was CBS or whatever channel it was, was doing like the in-studio shows for free. So why would you, I don't get that at all. I don't either. And it's probably going to, it's going to make a, a shitload of money too. Like we're, we're bashing it, but it's going to rake in the cash. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. I guarantee it. 
I mean, I kind of like respect that. He's got the the Gene Simmons thing going on too, where he's just like thinking of more ideas to make. And for Garth Brooks, like I don't even understand that because you've already got. I don't know how much he's worth, but maybe his wife is like uh, wanting a new Rolls Royce or something. I don't know. See, if he really wanted to impress me, he'd bring back what was it Chris Gaines? Is that who he was in the '90s for like that one album? Uh, maybe he can finally make that. Uh, maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to raise the money to make that movie that they were supposed to be. <laughs> you know, that character was supposed to be in a movie or something. Like that was the. I think that was the story with Chris Gaines. I didn't know that. I just thought he had like yeah, his gross, and gross. The, um I can't remember the name of the movie, but he was playing like a fallen rock star or something in it. Uh, but yeah, that's what the, uh, a lot of people didn't know that because they just thought he'd lost his mind or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was originally something to kickstart some sort of movie that never did get made. Maybe I'd Chris is a back it, backwoods killer. So I'd watch that. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, so we're going to go from a uh, Texas chainsaw massacre to, uh, you know, Toby Hooper, went on to do eating alive back a little, little after that. Were you a fan of that one? Um, I mean, it's okay. Um, that one, let's see. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Um, I remember that one kind of being like, I like the cinematography in it, but it was very, very, rarely cheap, cheaply done. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that was made what a couple of years after Texas chainsaw. I think it was two okay. years. I think I've got that over here, but it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, it had like a midnight movie look to it, if I'm not mistaken, but I so, can't remember. Yeah, it's been a while since I've looked at that one, too. Marilyn Burns is in that as well, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Robert England's in that, right? Yeah, I think uh, his name was Buck, and he wanted to... Uh, in that one. You know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys cuss on here, so I'm trying to... I'm watching my language, baby. No, you're you're fine. This is a stone stone cold unleash, so you're you're good. Okay. <laughs> it wouldn't be a dead pit interview without a little bit of cursing, man. That's true. We gotta cut loose. Like yeah. I was, uh, I've been going back through a lot of stuff, and like I, fu- I, you know, my wife thinks I cuss a lot now, but Jesus Christ, if she listens to some of those old shows, I don't know. Like, what in the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I listen to the Jim Cornette podcast on speaker and she was like you turn that off that man <laughs> okay i know i'm gonna take it off the rails here for a second but i know we all three are wrestling fans how about that jim yeah. Cornette shit that just came out oh with his wife and yeah that good stuff and uh him wanting the boys to do a little bit of work on her before they could get over an ovw and i guarantee you some of that's probably true but like the funny thing is is all that other stuff came out and like it, nobody really cares now. So like, you know, everybody's under investigation or whatever over all these allegations. So yeah, they kind of forgot about him. Well, it's kind of like that. Uh, when, uh, Corey Feldman had that documentary that came out unveiling Charlie Sheen, which isn't really a big surprise is the, uh, no. you know, the guy that raped Corey Haim and then the COVID come out and nobody, you know, it's kind of like that never happened. Who cares? You know, it was, it was made out that way, man. They brought the COVID in to help protect Charlie Sheen. It was, obviously it was Charlie Sheen all along. Well, his dad was the president, you know, and 
years. <laughs> That's true. He just had to make a couple phone calls to China, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. It's taken care of, Charlie. Don't worry about it. I'm yeah. I'm not cutting yeah. any of that, by the way. So we're we're good. Uh, <laughs> so we're uh we'll we'll jump ahead a little bit. Basically, in that same same time period, Wes Craven had a couple movies with The Hills Have Eyes and um, Last House on the Left. Um, just your your thoughts on those two. Oh yeah, I love both of those movies. Like the as far as the cinematography goes, the um, um, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw have that greedy, like almost documentary feel to it. Um, Last House on the Left had a very odd soundtrack um, at the time. It almost had like some bluegrass music in it and some, I don't know, really weird upbeat kazoo music in it as I remember. And, um, but I love all like, uh, the early Wes Craven stuff, um, Hills Have Eyes. I think, again, all those people in that movie look like regular people, not actors or anything. Same thing with Last House on the Left, really. But, uh, yeah, I love both of those movies. Were you a fan of those remakes? No. The Hills Have Eyes remake, um, I think the big thing with that, that was wrong with that one, is the mutants in it. It just, they all looked like... It just looked like something from like Stan Winston studio. And, uh, it really wasn't that believable. Like Michael Berryman, you could tell that man had something physically wrong. Yeah. You know, that was not makeup. There was something going on there. And I think they should have went that route with the, um, remake, but I guess the, you know, the way the world is now, they, they wouldn't do that. But, um, I, I've, seen that Hills How I Was remake once and it didn't really do much for me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really like just hate it, but it's like, eh, you know, I could have gone without that. I remember the Hills Have Eyes uh, 2, the one that this is really confusing because there's two Hills Have Eyes 2, but I'm talking about the later Hills Have Eyes 2. Right. Um, that movie is like so bad that it's amazing actually. Like it's just so shitty. Um, <laughs> But a lot of people don't even know, like, it's almost like that movie's not even, you know, just was never made because nobody ever references that movie anymore. But Wes Craven, I think, had something to do with that one as well, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he was the producer, writer, something like that. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, Craven was kind of producing anything you'd give him enough money to put his name on there in the yeah, mid-2000s. Yeah, towards the end of his career, um, what was that last movie that he did? That was fucking unreal uh, how my, that was. my soul to take yeah my soul to take. it was supposed to be called i'm like sure he didn't give it. or some shit yeah he didn't give a damn he was like okay just pay me whatever <laughs> there seems to be a somewhat of a fan base for those movies which is interesting um, i don't i actually don't hate my soul to take but i've seen worse right so well he did the movie um Red Eye was another one that he did towards the end of his career. Was that it? That was his, wasn't it? Either he was a producer or a director on that. No, one. he did. He directed that one. Okay. Huh. That one was okay. What was the werewolf movie that he he had worked on forever? And cursed. like it finally. Okay, yeah, that movie yeah. was cursed. Yeah, they made a reshoot pretty much the whole thing. Yeah, it had like a different cast in it originally. Like I think. Uh, wasn't Corey Feldman originally in that at one time? I had heard I that. Know. I didn't know if there was any truth to it, though. I don't know either. We're getting way off here, though. You can... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to go to 1980. 
and and kind of jump off to a different aside topic in this whole genre, and that's kind of the backwoods horror comedy. And in 1980, we had Motel Hell. And um, talk about, do you have any favorite horror comedies in, in the uh, backwoods nature? I know a lot of people like uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil 2 is kind of a newer movie, but uh, you know, talk a little bit about Motel Hell and uh, some other kind of comedy type. Yeah, I mean, as far as backwoods horror comedies, um, Motel Hell's good. Um, I always like, I don't know if this is backwoods, but one of my favorite uh, horror comedies would be uh, Blood Diner, which we've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Um, that one finally came out on, uh, I think Vestron presents or something like that came out on Blu-ray, which, yeah, that was, uh, highly anticipated release there. Um, I don't know. Like you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, horror comedies. Let's see. What's some of you guys favorite blood diners. Like probably one of my favorites. I know Corey absolutely loves that movie too. Oh yeah. He loves so. it. when I bring it up? Everything. <laughs> Didn't uh, Dead Pit, weren't you guys going to be involved with some sort of special edition of that at one point? Or did I imagine that? Yeah, I actually think we were um, we were going to do a commentary over that one. Uh, originally, Felcher started working on, um, this has been probably 10 years ago or longer, uh, but we never, you know, we never did get to do that. We were going to do a um, commentary for... Um, we did do a commentary for Friday the 13th part five and they didn't use it <laughs> as soon as they heard our accents probably. Yeah. Y'all, they actually released that one on the site, didn't you? Cause I'm pretty sure I've heard that one. Yeah. I think it's on there, but uh, Friday the 13th part five is a pretty good, I think that's a horror comedy actually backwoods. Oh yeah. Maybe uh, not uh, on purpose, but that <laughs> one funny. I always kind of cling to because of how gratuitous everything was and the character, the colorful characters and all that. Uh, uh, Ron Sloan, who uh, played junior, he's actually a really, really cool guy too. Um, and I think they're working on a, um, a documentary too, uh, about, uh, the Friday the 13th fans and stuff like that. So that'd be cool. But, uh, yeah, um, we interviewed almost the entire cast of Friday five, I think. Deborah Voorhees' boobies should have got top billing in that movie. I mean, right there on the poster. Yeah, that that was a pretty amazing scene. I, I thought they had some really cool death sequences in uh, Part Five too. Her death sequence was really cool. Oh yeah, that's a that's just a fun movie overall. I think one of my favorites. It, actually, it really is. And like back in you know back in the day, it was hated on quite a bit. And I'm glad that it's kind of that's not that way anymore. I think that one in Halloween uh, Halloween Three. Oh yeah, both. very similar yeah. in terms of that, right? And they both, yeah, got uh, unjustly shit upon. But uh, yeah, yeah, now things a little bit different, which is good. I think like Halloween three, if they would have just called it season of the witch back in the day, it I may know. have, yeah, it may have been different. But uh, just the fact that it was Halloween and didn't have Michael Myers, well, he was barely in it. Uh, yeah, people hated it because of that. So I I was going to jump forward a little bit, uh, but Jonathan, if you have any movies from the 80s that you want to bring up, you can go ahead right now. Don't go in the woods alone. I haven't watched it yet. I just picked it up. Have either I know Wes, you've probably seen it. I don't know if Corey's seen it. What are your thoughts on that? That's a backwoods slasher, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah the um don't go in the woods alone is uh there's it's kind of a comedy too i think i don't know if i'm pretty sure he intended it to be um comedic in certain certain parts um but yeah that's that's a good movie well i mean so bad it's good i'll say that well, I was going to jump jump forward because there's just there's so much in it. and at the end here we'll go back and I'll let you kind of you know name off a few of your favorites over the years. But um, you know our good friend in 2003, our good friend Rob Zombie, uh, kind of revived the the backwoods horror elements with the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, and I know Dev- Devil's Rejects is probably everyone's favorite of the, that series. But uh, what were your thoughts on on uh, that revival of that that style there with the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses really grew on me over the years. Like it's still not a perfect movie at all, or not even close. But I really love the the look of that movie. It has a good midnight movie feel to it. Uh, characters are awesome. Like he with with uh, that franchise, he created some amazing, memorable characters. Um, the Devil's Rejects was at the time when it came out. I wanted, I almost wanted to hate it, but I couldn't because I wasn't a big fan of House of a Thousand Corpses early on. But that movie, like from day one, I loved that movie. Um, the way it was shot, I loved the soundtrack, the ending. That should have been the ending of those characters. Yes, it should I mean, there's nothing, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I mean, that should it should have been ended there. Um, but of course, you know how, how that all went, but, uh, yeah, I love, I, I would say I would, lo- I love both of those movies at this point. Um, but three from hell, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I just, I don't have any interest in it. Um, I don't own it. I won't even buy the 4k if it, it well, was on sale for $15 and I wouldn't buy it. Just don't have the interest in seeing it. I mean, to me, it should have ended at devil's rejects and, you know, that was the proper ending there. It was almost like uh, when Michael Jordan came back uh, to the Washington Wizards. Wizards. Should have never happened. <laughs> you know. I fell asleep during Three from Hell, so you're not missing anything. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, had I heard anything positive on it, I probably would have watched it. But, I mean, it's just like all the other movies that he's made since, like, what, Lords of Salem was the last one that was pretty much universally praised. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, if everyone's telling me it's fucking terrible, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to waste my time with it. You th- do you think that uh, I know you're you uh, dislike strongly his Halloween remake? Uh, do you think that that little bit of success he had with Devil's Rejects kind of influenced the way he did the rest of his movies, including Halloween? Yeah, as far as like everyone had to be pretty much, uh, you know rednecks cussing like crazy and whatever else. I mean, yeah, that, that style, I guess. Um, and to be honest with you, looking back now, the first Rob Zombie's Halloween, I can almost live with that, especially the first half of it. Um, but then when he started trying to remake the original, yeah, it just kind of fell apart. But, uh, the Halloween two, fuck, I don't even hardly remember that movie. I just remember like it was fucking terrible. It's like a fever dream. Watched it one time. I'm going to let you have the floor here and maybe list a few movies that you think are kind of must watch in this, in this type of movie for people that maybe 
maybe you're new to this uh, genre of, of film. So uh, if you have like five or six movies that you think are top of the line in ter- terms of backwoods horror, I'll let you kind of have the floor. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the um, backwoods slasher movies, you got to go. Well, everyone knows that I praise Madman. I would recommend everyone at least check that out. Um, and um, a lot of the ones I'd mention on here, I guess The Forest is another one that, not a well-made movie, but to me, when I think of backwoods slashers, that's one that uh, that I always just think of. It pops into my mind. Um Let's see, Friday the 13th, I would say Friday the 13th, 3 and 4 are uh, both along the lines. And if you consider like some of the, um, you were talking about Texas Chainsaw movies like that, um, those, I mean, the, to me, backwoods slashers, honestly, um, most of them are not the best movies, I want to be honest with you, because you had your successful movies, Um and then you've got like, I don't know, uh, final exam and shit like that. <laughs> uh, the final terror and which to be honest with you, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't consider, um, madman a classic either, but it's all what you like, I guess, guys. I mean, it's like, uh, there are so many random old school slasher movies, you know, edge of the ax, stuff like that, that, uh, is still so crazy obscure that uh, a lot of people would never never even knew existed so mm-hmm. um lunch meat that one sucks but i mean everybody goes crazy about it because it's not out on on dvd and probably never will come out on dvd uh, i don't know you could you could go on for like as far as the cheap early 80s era i mean there's there's just so many but um i don't know what do you guys think well i think the message is is you know just take a chance on some things and see if you like them, see if you don't. And, and uh, you may find a new favorite in the, in the mix. So, uh, man, I just wanted to talk about dead pit and it's recent revival. So, uh, I mean, you guys ran originally for what, 10 years, almost to the day on the original running of deadpit.com. Yeah, I think it was, um, we were going to do our 10 year anniversary show and, the thing is, is like towards the end there, we just couldn't hardly ever find the time to get together to do anything. So once we finally got the time together, I think we were supposed to do uh, the original 10-year show in late 2000, 2015, I guess. But yeah, we never could get together, and we finally did in January the next year. And then Aaron, Uncle Bill was like, let's just make this the last show. We'll take phone calls. You know, I don't really have time to do this as much anymore. And neither of us really had as much time to do it anymore. Um, so, I mean, we just kind of spur of the moment said, okay, for now, um, this is it. We're you know, done with the weekly show. Down the line, who knows? And that's kind of what we uh, talked about on there. Um, yeah, we kind of just did one final classic style dead pit show. Um, and that was it. But I mean, honestly, probably the last two or three years we did kind of do the show, but it wasn't every week thing. And, yeah. uh, the popularity well, of the genre was, was kind of going down as well. Yeah. And I've heard you guys say it before. You were 
you guys were probably just a couple of years too late, or I mean too early, honestly. Because I mean, it, I feel like that. I feel like that show was huge at one time in the mid two thousands, especially like when you guys were doing like every week shows. If you know there'd have been a Patreon or like a YouTube Partners program or something back then, I mean that that very possibly could have turned into a a, a job, honestly. Yeah, I mean the thing is those like early days of doing the show, whenever we would. It was seriously like a full-time job anyway. We just didn't get paid for it. Exactly. Uh, um, just, you know, working on interviews and editing the show and ads and stuff like that, you know, putting ads in the show. And <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could have, would have, should have, you know. I mean, as far as the podcast thing goes, we didn't even, I guess podcast was technically around um, back when we started in 2005, but it wasn't like, I didn't, I'd heard the word, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So we didn't even use, we called ourselves horror talk radio. We didn't even use, you know, the podcast word up until probably three or four years later. And then we just used it and kind of made fun of it. You know, I don't know. That was just kind of how we did it, but uh, very stubborn in a way because we didn't even put for three or four years there. We didn't even put the show up on iTunes. So yeah. I think that hurt us too. Uh, but, uh, the big show, I guess, that influenced us was actually a wrestling radio show that was up in Canada called uh, Live Audio Wrestling. That mixed with um, the interviews were uh, RF video shoot interview style. Uh, that's basically how we did the interviews. Uh, you know, just the, the questioning, stuff like that, like chronological style. So right. wrestling was quite an influence on the Dead Pit Horror radio show. A lot of people may not know that, but it really is. And that show was really structured like a radio show. It's, I, I mean, there's no other podcast I can think of that was kind of structured like that with the call-ins and uh, the little bumpers. Yeah, like I said, ads. I mean, the format of it, we pretty much, it was live. Yeah, it was live audio wrestling. It was the format of live audio wrestling uh, in Canada, <laughs> which, <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the, the show now, I mean, it's, I don't know how well the, the audio quality holds up, but um, I used a lot of equipment that I'd had through music and stuff like that on it. And uh, it, we kind of just did it for uh, me and Aaron had always watched every weekend. We'd get together and watch movies and stuff like that and comment on them as they were going on. Um, and I said to him, I was like, well, hell, why don't we just, you know, record some of this stuff? Cause we say some, I thought it was funny. Some of the stuff that we say back and forth to each other. So, yeah, and that was a huge part of that show. We just, started recording it. Your all's chemistry was made, baby. <laughs> and right there, the the shit like the Dusty Rhodes voice, and like there's stuff I could still recall from that. Like, yeah, I mean, is the yeah, chemistry because we were best friends for Jesus since we were in high school, um, probably over ten years when the show started. So we've been friends since you know I don't even know. 15 we've been for instance we were 14 15 years old so yeah i mean yeah known him my whole life almost so yeah. and I, th- I think that's part of the reason it was so successful is this was two it just felt like it was two genuine people uh hanging out and just talking about movies and that, that i think that's what carried it to where it went uh and at the height of the show i wanted to bring this up too there were so many characters that came along with you guys just from that message board, that is to this day still the craziest message board I've ever been a part of. Uh, 
and that would bleed over on into the show. And uh, I mean, I don't want to call anybody out, but I remember some names like uh, Jason Payne, and that becoming like a running joke and a staple of the show. Uh, do you ever yeah. miss the, miss those days of that message board? I mean, I miss aspects of it, but uh, there was a lot of bullshit we had to deal with at message board. So yeah. it's technically <laughs> still up, but you know, message boards kind of went the way of the dodo a few years ago. I don't know what the deal. Is. I guess Facebook, uh, you know, social media and stuff destroyed the message boards. But uh, that was, yeah, that was a pretty happening message board back in the day, for sure. Was... A lot of crazy, crazy characters on there. There was always some shit going on. Uh, the Dr. Blood shit. I think you may have been like the first documented case. Like that may have been the first documented case of catfishing on the early internet. Uh. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what was going on with that guy. But yeah, he hijacked the... He was one that hijacked the message board at one time. And uh, I had a uh, uh, online relationship with like a 46-year-old man that claimed to be a... a you know, a female Fulci Fantera incident. That, that was kind of legendary. I point. did. I mi- I mixed those two up. That's what it was. Yeah. Fulci fan. Yeah. 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 Yes. So we actually had seen that guy at a convention a year or two after that. And, uh, that was weird. That was, <laughs> that was a weird time. Man, those, are, <laughs> those were good times though, back then. And it seemed like you guys were really enjoying yourself. Um, uh, Around around when it had kind of become daunting, because I think I could kind of tell, uh, you know, towards the end that it was kind of just getting to be kind of too much to deal with. Yeah, I mean, we we were both burnt out for quite a while and didn't really, I guess we didn't really know how to end it, which, to be honest with you, as far as the weekly show goes, it should have been ended maybe two or three years earlier. Uh, just because our heart, I don't think our hearts was really in it uh, for the last definitely last year and a half or so um, but you know life gets in the way I got married Absolutely. Uncle Bill has about 18 kids <laughs> so you know you just didn't we didn't have the um, the time like we did it's been good to see you coming back a little bit as as you can on uh, YouTube and, and uh, the podcast and uh, you know I always had a fun time doing WrestleManiacs with you guys and um uh, the, your Dead Pit show is obviously a huge influence on this show, and uh, you know this show's kind of started out of the out of the uh, pandemic as well. Yeah, <laughs> I've been absolutely. home a lot, so uh, it's been fun to get it started, and um, it's been awesome to have you on as well. Oh, I, yeah, it's been been fun, guys. And like I said, uh, anytime you all need anything, I mean, I'm here, and uh, I'll be here for the foreseeable future. I've been working from home since March. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's depressing, man, to be honest with you. It really is. Man. Uh, I never thought I'd just be sick of sitting around the house all the time, but yeah, I definitely am. As far as the WrestleManiacs goes though, I mean, I, I think we could almost get back together and do some of that shit. Now I wouldn't want to talk about the current product. No, do like old school shows or something like that. Yeah. We could definitely do like an undertaker tribute show. That'd be, that'd be something good with the recent news of his retirement. And, um, that, that pissed me off after all these years of speculation. Like, all right, which Mania match is going to send him out? It's a fucking documentary series is where we get that The Undertaker's retiring. I don't know if I even believe that, though. I think he'll probably be back. Yeah. Vince will, Vince will need something, and he'll be back. I or he'll at least do something else in the ring, I'd say. He could do five more years of those 
matches like he did with AJ. So I almost think that they should have he should have put somebody over on the way out though. Um, yeah, like do a, a career versus career match or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go with a classic. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean this this whole COVID thing though, man. Like it's really, I mean, wrestling was ruined anyway, but like it's made it even worse. It's like like pretty much everything that's enjoyable in life sucks now because of this this <laughs> virus. Yeah, it's uh, I cannot watch it weekly. I just couldn't do it. It's it's gotten worse in the past couple of years too. I can't even watch AEW right now. Actually, like it's it's kind of disappointing me. Well, they do some good stuff in AEW, but they also do some really stupid stuff, too. Yeah. So, but as far as shows go, that's probably my favorite show, like wrestling show to watch right now, but that's not really saying a whole lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I started watching SmackDown last night, uh, well, this past Friday, and uh, I just quit. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I just watched something else. I don't, I'm done with this shit. I couldn't even fast forward it. Usually, I just fast forward it. But I was like, I don't even know. I don't care. The main event's Baron Corbin versus Jeff Hardy or whatever. The <laughs> like, who cares? Like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't have any interest in that. So, yeah, a WrestleManiacs revival would be nice. Even if you not talking about the current product, but maybe just a little shitting on it. That'd be a good. That'd be a good little episode. Just everything that's yeah, wrong. I mean, uh, twenty. Yeah, that could be like a ten part. Uh, series or whatever yeah. so <laughs> all righty well we'll uh we'll let you get on with uh your exciting sitting around the house and uh <laughs> sure yeah, i'll try to figure out something else i can alphabetize or whatever there you go <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right you guys take it easy good talk right, thanks, to thanks. Thanks. thank you, you. See you. See you. You can check out the creepy Kentuckian at deadpit.com and also Dead Pit Radio on YouTube. Check out what uh, creepy Kentuckian, Uncle Bill, and sometimes the B plan. Don't want to leave the B plan out. I thought that was Michael Chiklis. That wasn't oh. Michael Chiklis? <laughs> well, he's going to play him in the movie. Uh, <laughs> the, dead, the next Dead Pit movie they do, uh, Michael Chiklis is all on it. Yep. Uh, but make sure you check out the creepy Kentuckian at those places. And, uh, Jonathan, other than the s'moresindoorspodcast.com, our new website, where can the people find you? You can find me at Bombastic Reviews on YouTube, uh, Bombastic Reviews on Facebook, Bombastic Reviews on Twitter, and uh, of course, all of the associated S'mores and Doors podcast social media sites. I'm at s'moresindoors76 on Instagram, and of course, check out the S'mores and Doors podcast on Facebook as well. So, Guys, it's been a great show. We're headed to St. Louis. Until we talk to you next time, have a good day and take it easy. Later. <laughs>